Okay. Just so you know. Ah, uh, well, two times. Okay. Two times. <laughs> okay. Um, and that I will just be honest is a little frightening to me to to do the conversation, um, and it's certainly not required as I was reminded as I was preparing for today. But I also want to do it, so um, so we're going to try that. We have two passages of scripture today that I certainly have thoughts and feelings about. Um, but I'm also going to invite y'all to share what comes to mind for you. Um, they're, they're both a little long. And so I'm, if you have a, a smartphone with you or a Bible with you, I'm going to encourage you to read along just so that you don't get lost in the text. Um, the first one that we're going to look at is Deuteronomy 8. Um, and we're going to read it uh, in its entirety. And it won't be hard to like hear where the land comes up in the text, but it may be challenging to figure out like what role the land plays. Um, and so I'd, I'd like you to just be thinking like when you hear the part about the land, um, what what comes to mind? This text is really, I mean, it's Deuteronomy, so it's an instructive passage, um, but the, the land is certainly um, implicated. And so read along with me as I go. I'm reading from NRSV if that's important for you. This entire commandment that I command you today, you must diligently observe so that you may live and increase and go in and occupy the land that the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors. Remember the long way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness in order to humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments. He humbled you by letting you hunger, then by feeding you with manna, with which neither you nor your ancestors were acquainted, in order to make you understand that one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Can you hear me? The clothes on your back did not wear out and your feet did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a parent disciplines a child, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Therefore, keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land a land with flowing streams, with springs and underground waters welling up in valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land where you may eat bread without scarcity, where you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and from whose hills you may mine copper. You shall eat your fill and bless the Lord your God for the good land that he has given you. Take care that you do not forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commandments, his ordinances, and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. When you have eaten your fill and have built fine houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks have multiplied and your silver and gold is multiplied and all you have is multiplied, then do not exalt yourself, forgetting the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery who led you through the great and terrible wilderness, an arid wasteland with poisonous snakes and scorpions. He made water flow for you from flint rock, 
fed you in the wilderness with manna that your ancestors did not know, to humble you and to test you, and in the end to do you good. Do not say to yourself, my power and the might of my own hand have gotten me this wealth. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives the power to get wealth, so that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your ancestors as he is doing today. If you do forget the Lord, your God, and follow other gods to serve and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish, like the nations that the Lord is destroying before you. So shall you perish, because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. This is the word of the Lord. Sometimes I read passages and I don't want to say this is the word of the Lord because I don't want to hear things because I'm like, oh. Okay, I I have some thoughts, but I well, I'll share a little bit of them before I ask for your guys' The first is that it's hard for me in this passage to focus on the land because I'm getting caught up. I find myself getting caught up in phrases like he humbled you by letting you hunger. Like, oh, like I get like where where it explains like. A parent disciplines a child, you know, like, but I'm like starvation, <laughs> 40 years in a wasteland. That feels like, like I would call DCS on that parent if that were happening today. Um, and so I, I just noticed myself not really getting the opportunity in my own brain to focus on the, the land in this passage. Curious about where you guys are feeling or what you're feeling, where you're landing with this passage. she was talking about the word occupy and how that shows up and how it feels like justification for like not just colonization but genocide and it made me think and this came up in our conversation about bringing sweetgrass this week of the passages from unsettling the word that book we read in the spring um that were written from different people's perspectives and this like reminder to us that like the israelites went into a land that had people in it already you know like and so like what about the image of God in those people. Uh, and, and what does that make us think about, you know, when we, I have like often compared myself to an Israelite of like, I'm walking through this wilderness and I know God is just like bringing me towards something good. You know, I just need to trust. And then I'm like, wait, like somebody else is there. Like, so I, I have to grapple with my own, like taking. What else? implication that wealth is a sign of God's blessing for <laughs> doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. And yet sociologically we know that it's it is the poor, the working class who are much more likely to engage in the behavior that they associate with the fall of God, whether it's church attendance, the day of prayer, or giving away a higher percentage of income than the wealth do. There are a whole lot of wealthy people who got there by 
about the trust like like having done i mean I, I don't think i could ever do those trips because <laughs> like me every week in my therapist's office is like i'm dying like <laughs> you know and i live comfortably so um but like this like trust that you had to establish to like get that child through like i think is like definitely a part of this passage right like you just like i i think in the end like if i'm pulling a good news from this there is this idea of trusting God and like I don't have the you know like I don't know all of this like uh, what's going on here but I can trust that God is good I can trust that God will provide when I need it um and that is I find it harder to believe when I'm struggling but some people are like yeah I I struggle and like I felt closer to God then than I ever did. uh yeah thank you for Can I ask a question that I don't know the answer to? Sure. Just in this, when, this, this is the scary part of this. Okay, go. Do we, do we, do we understand when uh, or have an idea of when Deuteronomy was written and from what position of power the author was writing from in that in that moment? And maybe yeah. Do you, are you yeah. Uh, well, so no, actually. So I'm sure that's something I learned in seminary. And also in this moment, I'm like, <laughs> uh, yeah, because like, like Dr. Allen would be so disappointed in me right now. Um, no, I don't know. But here's what I know about culture as it has evolved over time in general, that it is not shocking to me that whoever wrote this text uh, created a text that put the power on a, another being and justified like um, that movement um, just historically. 
I, I don't know who wrote these texts. You know, it's like we say they're written by someone. <laughs> sure. Um, but like historically, that is like it's not surprising to me that that this text was written in such a way of like God is the person with the power, given that that is like politically how things were run. One person had power and they're responsible for the goodness or like, you know, like what people get. I don't know if like another seminarian might have more information about this. I think the thing that comes to mind for me is that this is part of the Torah, right? And the Torah was oral history, culture, story passed down, right? And so I think by the time it's actually written down, it's like you're just trying to get the gist of the story. Like, I don't think word for word, this was the original, like original, like it's like playing telephone. It's like, in my mind, there's no way <laughs> this is like the original, like whatever. <laughs> so like, that's where you can get into some like discussion around inspiration and authority of the scripture and all of that. But like, if this is part of the Torah, then it's, it is oral history first and foremost before it's written down. And so capturing the heart of the text, and of course, by the time it gets written down, to Brittany's point, like, it's going to be written down from a very specific perspective of that, of whoever the scribe is at the time, collecting kind of that oral story and trying to write it down uh, in the same way that we do even today, right? With different stories or different things that are passed down throughout history orally. So um, I don't remember at which point in time it was down. Um, so I think of it more an oral story that has been captured and written at some point through a particular lens. But in, in kind of like response to some of Brittany's questions too, like when I read this, it's so easy for me to get caught up in the in the very like uh, colonial or occupation sort of like language. And I think for me, as I read this again, and I hear it again, um, and I think that's helpful to actually hear it because it's supposed to be an oral story, right? Um, when I hear it again, I'm, I feel like today, like I'm hearing it through a different lens because I've been reading a lot of like indigenous, like spiritual writers, like whether it's uh, Robin Wallkimmer or, or whether it's like, I just picked up the NIV translation from First Nations people. And it, so I'm like reading it through that lens today, like I'm hearing it in that way, because it's a totally different perspective on what it means to be a people that are on a particular piece of land. Mm -hmm. And it's not about like, I mean, it becomes very clear in the text, even um, the whole like, <laughs> you know, do not say to yourself, my power and my, <laughs> of my own hand have gotten me this wealth. You know, like it's very, like, mm -hmm. it's clear that the perspective is is kind of changing as we hear it and as we read through a lens that is more connected to the land. Mm -hmm. uh, in the same way that I think Laura um, is describing when you've been on the land and are having to like depend mm -hmm. outside of yourself, it changes our perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think like what I kept coming back to eventually when I would go through this text was this like, desire for gratitude from God, this like, um, this remembrance that what God wants for us is flourishing. Um, and for us to just remember that God is a part of 
right? Like I sometimes like when I read passages like this, I think of God as this like a God that's just like reaching out to us just to remain connected. Like, please remember that I was with you. Please remember that I helped this, you know? Um, and the land is like the thing in this passage that helps us to remember the flourishing. Of Go ahead. Not, yeah. The land in here um, and God's action as trying to bring that restoration of what he created, like put us in the garden with him mm. to have relationship. And then he messed it up and got back. Like, I'm bringing you to this place that I've made for you, and it's good, like it was in the beginning. Mm. It's good. Mm -hmm. Just don't mess it up again. <laughs> you know, like, please, be like, please. I'm, I'm testing you. I'm, I'm forming you. I'm creating you. I'm helping you become what you were designed to be. And that relationship. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, I think, um, yeah, let's go to the next passage. Go to Micah 2 in your Bibles or on your phone. This one I think is a little bit easier to think about the land. Just also listen to the FedEx driver sing along with this video. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Uh, all right. Alas for those who devise wickedness and evil deeds in their beds. When the morning dawns, they perform it because it is in their power. They covet fields and seize them, houses and take them away. They oppress the householder and house, people in their inheritance. Therefore, thus says the Lord, now I am devising against this family an evil from which you cannot remove your neck, and you shall not walk haughtily, for it will be an evil time. On that day, they shall take up a taunt song against you and wail with bitter lamentation and say, we are utterly ruined. The Lord alters the inheritance of my people, how he removes it from me. Among our captors, he parses out our fields. Therefore, you will have no one to cast the line by lot in the assembly of the Lord. Do not preach, lest they preach. One should not preach of such things. Disgrace will not overtake us. Should this be said, O house of Jacob, is the Lord's patience exhausted? Are these his doings? Do not my words do good to one who walks uprightly? But you rise up against my people as an enemy. You strip the robe from the peaceful, from those who pass by trustingly with no thought of war. The women of my people you drive out from their pleasant houses, from their young children you take away my glory forever. Arise and go, for this is no place to rest because of the uncleanness that destroys with a grievous destruction. If someone were to go about utterly uttering empty falsehoods, saying, I will preach to you of wine and strong drink, such a one would be the preacher for this people. <laughs> I will surely gather all of you, O Jacob. I will gather the survivors of Israel. 
I will set them together like sheep in a fold, like a flock in its pasture. I will resound with people. It will resound with people. The one who breaks out will go up before them. They will break through the path and pass the gates, going out by it. Their king will pass on before them, the Lord at their head. <laughs> when you think of the first passage which like for all the things that we chatted about um does have this element of uh, a flourishing land is a gift from god right but, um i think we kind of get a challenge from maybe what jay was saying of like we've done this like because we are great and we prospered, we can create, continue to like get more of what we want. What might this passage be saying? This one feels kind of reassuring to me. Like it restores my confidence that God cares about people. Yeah. But that is at the heart of who God is. And so I find it confusing. Like, <laughs> you know, the earlier passages seem to suggest that God is all about the Israelites mm -hmm. and everybody else can just stuff it. Um, but, but then you look at what God says about how to treat people. Mm -hmm. And somehow, I don't know how those two fit together. Yeah. Um, but then I think if you see that and you look at the life of Christ and like, I think, I think we've got to err on the side of God. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of is like pulling back some of those feelings from what Laura was saying. of like, I don't know what's going on with those people. Like, but something is like God clearly cares about. I think the defensiveness when we were driving to Chattanooga and there was a billboard that was an American flag and it just had Jesus written over it. <laughs> but I said it out loud in such a way that was like Jesus over the American flag, which we're like, that's good theology, right? Like Jesus over the American flag. But that's not what was happening on this billboard. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> Else. I feel like this passage in like a sort of illustrates what the SQDR is kind of foretelling about. So I think, you know, in sort of the uh, the economy of we do good and therefore we get good, or when we get good, it's because we have done good. There's this sense of entitlement, right? Mm -hmm. Which we talked about under the And I think that realize that. I mean, the whole Old Testament is sort of messing up over and over again. But I think <laughs> a lot of it is like misunderstanding what the promise of God is. A promise is not entitled, right? You are not entitled to something. They're not entitled to this land, this flourishing, just because God promised it to them. And I think when that entitlement and that pride comes in, 
then you can get the just thing in FICO where you go out and press conquered just because they have the policy yeah. that they're like, oh, we conquered and if you get good stuff, flourish, right? More money, whatever. Therefore, it must be good because that's the economy that we can yeah. So yeah, I completely agree. I think it's further proof that God cares about people and Yeah. Yeah. No, I that's like certainly like the where I was living at the end of this test of like, oh, this is like actually like challenging us to be like. I'm not entitled to this. And when I when I get to a point where I think I'm entitled to the land, like that's when I should probably watch out. Like, <laughs> like that's where the warnings live in this passage, not in um like like it felt very instructive about disobedience and pride in the first passage, but this is like when your disobedience and pride looks like this, like you will be cursed. Like, and that's terrifying, you know. Right, and yeah, and, and the and then the whole world which is like not new because it's kind of come up in both and what people have shared. Um, but it was on my mind because of, I don't know how many people are reading Braiding Sweetgrass with, um, like as a group. Um, highly recommend it, even if it's not the right time for you to read it with the group. It's like such a beautiful book. But um, this idea of reciprocity kind of comes up. And in the first section of her book, she kind of um, redefines. Uh, redefines this like our participation in faith you know well she's not talking about faith but um in like what a bunch like a a um mindset of abundance would look like and that it's it's not one-sided like it's um it's not like this gift comes to you and it's just like no strings attached you just keep getting it for like because you're great or whatever like it's there's responsibility attached to it there's an invitation and an opportunity to uh participate in the flourishing and like micah i think particularly the passage in micah is a warning of like if you don't participate in the flourishing if you don't hold up your side of the covenant then like there's a warning uh, and so yeah i think it's giving us more information about the relationship um element of god and what god des desires from us you know not just commands but wants like hopes for when making a commandment with us i do have a little challenge because <laughs> it's challenging for me and I, I kept thinking about this even just yesterday as i was thinking about um this passage the land in this passage again seems to be like a minor character, right? Like it's really important, like, because it's like an illustration of um, the reciprocity or like the, the relationship. Um, but something that came up in our conversation on Wednesday 
about Brady with Brady Sweetgrass was this idea of the land having its own autonomy of being in relationship with the land and thinking of it not as something um, not as just an object you know um, that we hold power over but considering how we might have relationship with the land um, to care for it as it cares for us um, land animals uh, and in these passages we, we don't see the land have autonomy Still, you know, it's still the 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 subject of our actions and God's actions. Yeah. Uh, and so, what might it look like for us to think of flourishing um, with the land actually being a a character alongside of us and our that's just something I'm struggling with right now uh, because it felt it feels important. And I have not worked it out myself. So we, I would like to pray um, before we wrap up um, and move on to um, the rest of our gathering. Uh, but I would like to pray with you just by taking some breaths together. Um, and so if you just like get yourself into a comfortable position. Take a deep breath in and try and get that breath to fill your belly. You put your hand on your belly and feel it move if that's helpful. Take one more breath together. And then you want to go ahead and go back to your bulletin. We'll go ahead and go to the table together.